Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of What's Up, a space for Asian-American progressive voices in California. My name is Albert Kutchpum, and I'm joined here with Ji Young Park, who is the co-host. And um, what are we going to be talking about today? Hey, Al. So what we're going to talk about today is just... Um, an introduction to the podcast by discussing our backgrounds and our reasons for discussing this podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. So um, what is the first question we have? <laughs> the first question, which is the most important question, is what is your favorite food from the culture you identify with? Well, uh, the culture I identify with is Thai. As you can probably guess, um, Thai food is probably one of my favorite foods. Um, and curry is my favorite dish from the culture I identify with. And I can go into lots of detail about what type of curry, <laughs> but probably Muslim curry that my mom has made. And it's like a Muslim type of curry. Um, and yeah, it's like very peanutty. And so... <laughs> To you, Ji Young, what is your favorite food from the culture you identify with? So I am second generation Korean American. My favorite food, I think, is kimchi chon, which is basically a kimchi pancake. Do you know of any good places to get them in your yeah. neighborhood? Um, there's a place, well, there are places that a lot of places that have gone under in the back in the, during the pandemic, which is very unfortunate, but there is a place, um, that's surviving called Kobau. And, um, that was one of, um, Jonathan Gold's favorite places. It's spelled K-O-B-A-W-O-O in K-Town in LA. Nice. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. Um, I cannot recommend anything because my favorite must find curry comes from my mom. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, what's next? <laughs> what's next is, um, well, tell us a little bit about yourself, Al. Um, why, why are you doing this um, podcast? Yeah, so um, very similar to you, Jiang. Um, I'm, I'm first generation. I, I don't know what the actual terminology is. Uh, my parents immigrated here. So does that make me first or second? I don't know. <laughs> Were you born here? I was born here. So. Oh, well, then I think you're second generation. So I'm also second generation. Um, parents immigrated from Thailand. They weren't really happy with the situation. So they came here for opportunities. And uh, I was born and raised throughout California. Um, spent most of my time growing up in the Bay Area, specifically um, the peninsula. And um, there were actually a lot of Asians um, <laughs> where I grew up in, so I wasn't really isolated. I know some people, sometimes they grew up in kind of like um, rural areas and they're probably like the only Asians, but um, I had, it was interesting because I, I think the high school they went to had probably like 60% Asian um, population. Um, wow. Yeah, it's pretty high. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe even 70%. I mean, so aside from that, uh, a little bit more of the background and why I started this podcast. So um, initially, uh, after I graduated school, I wanted to be like a rock star. So I didn't really attend um, 
university until like a year afterwards. Um, but after that, uh, I did realize that, you know, my passion's helping the environment and sustainability. So um, try to do a lot of work in uh, wherever green fields there was in terms of like um, recycling, composting, uh, zero waste, and um, like really sustainable transportation is one of my biggest passions, I realized. Um, as an avid cyclist, um, definitely I try to promote uh, wherever um, people can use non-motorized or public transit. And so um, on that notion, um, I graduated from San Francisco State in 20, uh, no, 2009. And um, I went straight to India to do some work um, with what we call leapfrogging, which means kind of like avoiding pollution and all these uh bad technologies and getting countries to um, basically jump over the hurdle of like uh, creating a economy that destroys the environment and things like that. So, um, yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention that I graduated from SF State uh, with a bachelor's in environmental studies. Um, and so that's what equipped me to go to India for two years to do project um, work on zero waste. Um, and so my heart was always kind of in trying to help sustainable development in Asia. So um, uh, after I spent my time in India, I realized I needed more technical skills. So I applied to a master's program at UCLA. And before I went to UCLA, I ended up um, spending two months in Beijing to kind of like look at um, pollution there, air pollution. And um, yeah, so after I graduated at UCLA um, with all this kind of international experience, um, I realized that, you know, there could be some more work that I do locally um, in the States. And um, I've been working at UCLA for about five years now, going on six. And um, having realized that there is this um, kind of opportunity for Asians to be involved in politics and actually have their voices heard, um, has really motivated me to kind of start a place where people can discuss things. And um, I really became involved in the U.S. politics um, in 2016 with Bernie Sanders. And um, that's where the activist in my kind of blood <laughs> starts to like, uh, tr like start working because um, I did a lot of canvassing for him um, in the 2016 election, only to have him kind of be decimated by the DNC behind closed doors. And we could talk about that, that a little bit later. Uh, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> Thanks. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's where I came across. And um, we could we could have this episode on the DNC and Bernie probably in the future. But um, yeah, really um, seeing what happened to him again in 2020 and the results of the 2020 elections, particularly in California, um, really, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that progressive Asians aren't um, isolated and that we can kind of network with each other, even with non-Asians um, and other progressives to really... Um, yeah, just build a coalition and, you know, help each other out. So that's my long-winded reason why I started this podcast. <laughs> so um, when I came across Ji Young, I was really happy to hear that, look, there isn't actually another Asian who's interested. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what, what about your background, Ji Young, and how come you decided to hop on board? 
Okay. So uh, I actually didn't know all of your um, activist experience um, and credentials. Um, so that was like super impressive, but I really have to know one thing. Um, what instrument did you play? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I played the drums actually. So, um, oh, also, cool. <laughs> yeah, if you ever need a drummer, let me know. But um, I also play. I, well, I play bass. Oh, anyway, another time. Yeah, it's another time. But yeah, bass is bass is cool. Um, but I also play guitar. So cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah. So I have um, been an activist since I was um, in high school. Really, um, I was um, part of a teen coalition. Um, that was protested against, um, the wars that were happening. Um, and I became a part of the National Lawyers Guild when I was, um, going to Loyola Law School. Um, and let me back up. I'm born and raised, uh, in Los Angeles to, um, Korean immigrants who came here, for, you know, the quote unquote better life. Um, Korea at the time was still recovering from uh, the Korean War. And so um, their economy was not super great. And every Korean just basically thought of uh, the U.S. as many other people did in the world um, as the land of milk and honey and where dreams come true. Um, and so it was actually my grandmother who came alone at the age of 50 after having um, seven kids um, and without speaking any English, um, you know, landed in Oklahoma of all places as a trained nurse, but was not able to actually work as a nurse, you know, that, that whole story. Um, and my father came as a, uh, um, by himself, um, worked his way through, um, business school at Pepperdine. So, um, yeah, I grew up in LA, went to college in New Orleans at Tulane, and then went to um, Loyola Law School. Um, and so in law school, I joined the National Lawyers Guild, um, became a legal observer, and also did pro bono um, criminal defense. Um, I defended, um, a protester who got arrested at Occupy, um, when the cops cleared out the Occupy camp. Um, I defended, uh, a woman who, an, a little old lady from Pasadena who, um, uh, did a sit-in at a bank, um, way back when, uh, the banks were foreclosing on people. 
in the last recession. And I also defended um, one of the Black Lives Matter folks who got arrested on the freeway uh, when Trump got elected. And then I created and ran a jail support project um, right when the George Floyd protests um, started up at the end of May. Um, I created it from nothing. Um, and, and we went hard for two and a half weeks and supported the tons of protests, protesters and and um, wound that down after about two and a half weeks. Um, and then I just became super activated in a way that I never have before. Um, I uh, helped out with um, the voter guide that the future left did um, for L.A. and Orange County. Um and then uh, a woman named Unilee Jost, who is a hardcore activist here in Southern California, um, she called me up and asked if I wanted to run for an assembly delegate, uh, assembly district delegate position in my assembly district. Um, so yeah, then I uh, decided to run um, so that... I could have a a say in in the Democratic Party, which I do not love, but um, would like to change because of the practical impacts they have. Um, and I see a huge need for the APIs to um, talk about AAPI issues um, with respect to um, social justice, equity, and politics. Um, yeah, we need a space for ourselves. So that's that's why I'm doing this. Well, thanks. I mean, that's a really <laughs> inspirational list of kind of like longstanding uh, activism um, since high school, really. So, um, yeah, I wish I was kind of that activated back then, but I mean, obviously, um, I've always tried to keep altruism at the forefront of things I, that I do. Um, but, um, like, yeah, it, it, for me, I've always felt like the U S politics has been jaded. So I kind of gave up on the U S since like university <laughs> and, um, yeah. Did you have something you want to mention? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I haven't been, you know, gung-ho activist all the way since high school. It's just that I, you know, I have just kind of had um, that kind of outlook since um, since I was young. Um, but like like I said before, I mean, I'm more activated now than I have ever been before. Well, that begs the question then, and this is one of our discussion questions, like, where do you lie politically? <laughs> uh, I would say that um, because of all that's happened over 
in the past year, um, both because of the protests and because of the pandemic, it's really um, made me do a deep dive into like um, the the root of, of injustice and inequity. Um, and I would say it had like the past year has um, radicalized me in the sense that I... Um, Are throwing Molotov cocktails? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have wanted to, but I haven't. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I wanted... I mean, there's, you know, there, there is, there are different roles for different people. And I mm -hmm. really want to, I personally really want to look at changing the, the, the system fundamentally. Um, and so that to me means um, that I am, uh, I guess what one would call a leftist, um, and I, uh, I think that the government needs to play a bigger role in ensuring, um, ensuring, um, uh, equity and justice as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, I, I mean, I even think that the the constitution should be written. So rewritten. That's, that's where I am. Right. Rewritten. <laughs> rewritten. Okay, yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. How, how about you? Um, well, I guess. Where do you lie politically? <laughs> interesting. Um, because what, reflecting on what you said, um, I've actually probably have been radical all of my life. <laughs> um, Probably just looking at the the generosity of my parents and having visited countries, uh, well, Thailand when I was young, I've always seen poverty as something that's been everywhere, both outside and within the U.S. And I've always questioned it, like, why are there people still starving? Why is there inequity? Um, from a young age, I've always wondered what what drives this. And um, like, uh, I would say, politically speaking, I am pretty far to the left. Um, probably you know socialist um, if not communist um, but to me those are just labels because I mean I free market makes sense for things like I always justify it in non-essential goods like uh, entertainment media games whatever like those things yeah sure let the free market have its role there but for essential goods like water electricity education healthcare, um, that i believe is all needs to be um, provided and like um, given as a like a right because people deserve that. And um, as a once burgeoning artist myself, um, I always like kind of uh, 
get annoyed because I'm like, I really want to just be doing art, even though I'm not that good at it. At least I want to be doing it. Um, but like the society right now makes it such that um, there are pressing, pressing things like climate change, uh, the social injustice that you've brought up and all these other issues that need to be taken care of before, you know, one can actually um, like fully invest in something like art. And uh, that's my kind of like uh, reasoning behind just shifting away from that. But obviously, um, you know, I, I think everyone has different values. And um, I, I just think that a lot of the problems that we face are because of uh, institutional issues and uh, whether it's environmental injustice or um, all these other kind of systemized um, forms of racism. Um, yeah, I, I just think that there's just too many things to be um, kind of addressing. And that's not to say, though, that art doesn't have any place, but um, because people do need to unwind and they do need to um, have time for themselves as we're all human. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, later on uh, in the next episode, uh, I wanted to bring other activists to talk about, you know, how do you avoid burning out and things like that? But um, yeah, I mean, so that's, that's kind of where I lie um, in terms of uh, politically, like so super far left, but I do recognize that, okay, free market works in some locations, but um, for the most part, uh, we, need, we need to have the base be the same before we can actually like have this idea that people can go ahead and do whatever they want to make ends meet. Um, that's funny that you that you say that um, about art because I actually feel that it plays a totally essential role mm. um, in um, in change in fundamental change um, because I think electoralism, um, meaning, you know, um, change through elections mm -hmm. can only go so far as we've sure. seen For already. Sure. Yeah, I totally agree. And so, um, you know, how do, how do we change, um, people who don't agree with us? And part of that, um, solution in my mind exists in telling stories. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, even uh, watching um, films and TV, uh, not just with representation, but also like telling our own stories um, really makes people see that um, at the end of the day, uh, we we do actually want the same things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so I actually very much believe in the role of art in um, in change. Yeah, no, I, uh, I totally... I didn't mean to undercut the value of art in that sense. I just meant for my personal self that like, um, I like to do art just for the sake of doing it, which um, totally I, I, like in, in an ideal society. And that's where like idea of like, you know, socialism slash communism makes sense where it's like art should just be done for the sake of it. Um, but no, I, I definitely agree that, you know, art is fundamental to allowing the communication um, to, really um you know 
address and empathize with one another. Um, I will say that um, in terms of change, I mean, this is one topic that we can probably dive into at a a later time, but like, how do you make change and what type of change, like, are we trying to look for? I mean, I I think there's like a typically like a three-pronged approach, right? Where there's legislation, like laws that are, you know, implemented and those are kind of like the the reasons why people go out and protest and there's like the legal kind of ways to, um, you know, deal with, uh, different, uh, courts and how they're interpreting laws. And then there's the third one, which is kind of like direct action. Um, I don't know if those are the same three that you may, or may, you may agree or disagree with, but typically that's what I've heard. Um, but thoughts. Um, that sounds about right. I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I would say like, it's not necessarily in that order of importance. Oh, no, 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 for sure. Yeah. (laughs) No, not at all. As a matter of fact, I think direct action is usually, uh, anyways, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, direct action is, I think we're seeing, um, is playing a bigger and bigger role. Um, um, You know, I think the, the, the success of the, the, um, Bernie campaign um, was in um, grassroots organizing and mutual aid um, and direct action um, is kind of taking the place of of the people of the activation that had happened around mm-hmm. the Bernie campaign um, and then taking it even further and uh, it's just an incredibly important um, organizing tool. Sorry, for those who might not know, what is mutual aid? Um, well, <laughs> what is mutual aid? It's basically people looking out for each other um, in um, material ways and um you know, in other ways, uh, emotionally and whatnot. Um, I would say like most people see it in, in, um, like food drives, clothing drives, um, uh, let's see what else have you seen in terms of mutual aid? Oh, I was I was hoping to say uh, K Town for All was one good example of an organization that is doing a lot of mutual aid. I think, right, along with the food pantry and stuff. Definitely, uh, like advocating against advocating on behalf of the unhoused against um, against sweeps that displace um, that displace uh, the unhoused and take away their possessions. Um, yeah, ad, like advocating for people um, on the ground, I would say, um, which can look like so many things. I mean, there's one group called um, Hydrate LA that just provides water. Um, and I don't mean to say uh, just as if it's like any less important. I mean, like that's their sole, that's their sole purpose. Mm-hmm. And of course, water is extremely important when you're unhoused um, um, because there aren't a ton of, of, of sources for it, especially when um, 
when um, establishments are closed down, and um, and they were they were also um, handing out water when there were uh, the elections and people were waiting in lines. Yeah, well, I mean that that should reminds me of when I was um, super like I was ready almost to get down to um, Standing Rock and you know, help with the protest there for you know water is life. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the the weekend I was going to go, they stopped the protest. I was like, darn. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but I mean, it was insane. Um, that, that's a, that's another tangent. But I mean, it's it's like it's what it is an example of the continuing injustices I think that are plaguing, especially um, you know indigenous folk that have really been treated unjust from like the very beginning. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean. Uh, I definitely think that there's a lot that we can unpack in these episodes um, coming down the line. Um, so, I mean, the the structure of the podcast, um, it's kind of what we just went through, right? Uh, we, we introduced ourselves. We then introduced the interviewees, which in this case was actually uh, me and Ji Young. <laughs> uh, and then we open it up with uh, kind of like a, you know, icebreaker question. And then we just dive into a discussion slash, um, you know, interview portion to really um, let the guests uh, kind of have a place to either vent or share their stories and um for us, we just want to highlight a lot of the good work that other Asian American progressives are doing. Um, and uh, Jiang, you mentioned this before uh, that uh, the AAPI <laughs> is missing, and um, we we are definitely including um, the Pacific Islander community. It just doesn't fit in our title, so I'm I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the structure is essentially um, like we'll. we'll have a little discussion and then uh, recap and then uh, we'll kind of leave with a food for thought for next week as well as uh, what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. <laughs> so Jiang, do you want to do the recap? Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, we're here doing this podcast um, to create a space for Asian American progressive voices in California because we are in California and there are a ton of Asian American progressive voices here. Um, although we totally support the rest of the country and the world um, uh, in doing the same thing. And um, yeah, we're, we're uh, both uh, super lefties. Um, <laughs> That's all you need uh, to know, everybody. <laughs> and, and, and we're both cyclists and um, we both want to, um, to change things um, radically. Um, and so we're going to talk to um, various people um, who are Asian American and trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And just really learning about um, each other and um, how we can really 
you know, grow this network out. And then like Jiang, you mentioned, not just to be exclusive to Asian American Pacific Islanders, but um, definitely we want to, you know, anyone who's interested in our issues and the issues that we are trying to push to make change um, is welcome, right? <laughs> For sure. I definitely feel that um, one of the most important things that we want to be able to do here is to um, acknowledge kind of our biases and really, you know, uh, move beyond that so that we can engage with those who may disagree. And it's important because I think with Asian Americans in particular, the elder um, generation, um, there is this kind of immediate uh, reaction to um like the ideas of communism or socialism, when in fact, like literally uh, the fire department and the public roads we drive on, those are all socialists. Social security is literally socialism right there. Um, so, you know, when Bernie Sanders says we have rugged individual individualism for the poor and like socialism for the rich, uh, he's pretty much on it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, um, you know, I heard recently that um, healthcare is one of the most important issues to um, AAPIs. And, you know, that's meaning um, having access to, to healthcare. And, um, you know, uh, that's universal healthcare is, is socialism. Um, it just... It just has, um, you know, it's like the S word and has <laughs> has a bad name, but um, it's really just about um, like, uh, you know, one of the richest countries in the world providing um, a basic level of services to right. tax paying people whether they're documented or not, you know, we're all paying taxes. And as we see in the pandemic, we have to, like everyone should have access to healthcare just for public safety in general. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really crazy how, um, the Medicare for all is kind of on everyone's radar, <laughs> but the politicians who are supposed to represent us, um, they do not have that as a top priority item. And like, um, well, instead of what we've gotten is the Obamacare kind of like convoluted um, system where, I mean, I've applied for my family and it's it's insane how bureaucratic it is. Like you have to apply at the state level and then at the state level, it goes down to the county level. And it's just like, you know, if you were a non-speaking like native, it's difficult to actually get um, those requirements. And yeah, I don't know. It's just... Um, Okay, even if you can get past all that signing up stuff, uh, right now there are millions of people who are unemployed and just can't even pay the premiums for for ACA. So, so like, if somebody gets sick with COVID, what are they what are what are they supposed to do? 
Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's a public health issue. It's a, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a, I mean, at the end of the day too, it's a moral issue. I think as a society, I mean, and again, <laughs> going to what Bernie has said, like uh, society should be judged by how we take care of its poor. He wasn't the only one who said that. Uh, well, he said most vulnerable population and he quoted somebody else from that, but you know, that's, it's kind of, um, it's, it's very interesting because a lot of people who are religious, especially Christians, they kind of compartmentalize sometimes the, the notion of, um, you know, socialism being evil, <laughs> where in fact, I would argue that, you know, Jesus is probably one of the first socialist people around <laughs> uh, talking about, you know, having, needing to feed the poor and, you know, take care of everyone as they were your own neighbors. I mean, yeah, that's kind of the spirit of <laughs> socialism in my mind. Um, I, I would just like to point out the fact that Jesus was not white either. That is another very important point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, th- those are those are very. I mean, and, and he was also an immigrant, so don't forget that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think um, it's it's interesting that people uh, almost put value of money and capitalism on top of moral. Uh, obligation and just being a decent person. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for me, like the moral argument is always just a given to me, mm -hmm. but I end up um, um, a lot of the time just um, making arguments that um, are, I kind of are catered more for the, like the, the people who need to be convinced mm-hmm. and a lot, and unfortunately a lot of those arguments um, have to do with how they personally benefit from <laughs> what I, what I think should be happening. <laughs> right, right, right. So on that note, um, so the themes that are coming up um, in terms of the podcast, uh, we have a, a whole year of episodes lined up. Um, but just to give a quick example, um, one of the themes that we are going to do for um, Black History Month is anti-blackness in Asian America. Um, but uh, more, I guess, um, closer to the election uh, or inauguration, actually, um, of Joe Biden, we're going to have the um, Asian Americans in a 2020 election. And we're going to talk about how Asian Americans in California, particularly, um, voted very conservatively and uh, what the implications are and how can we kind of address that going forward. Um, So, yeah, those are kind of the uh, just some examples of... um, topics um that we are going to include so um i hope we have a wide variety of um issues that um people can talk about and would be interested to hear uh if you have any suggestions feel free to reach out to us um that leads to the other section or question now is how and where to stay connected (laughs) so go ahead jiang oh i was just gonna say um we have we're um around on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. What else are we on? Um, We are on also most podcast platforms. So, uh, you know, Google Podcasts, Apple 
Podcasts, Spotify, um, Stitcher, <laughs> um, SoundCloud. And so um, we have started a Discord group where you can go ahead and provide us with any information, suggestions, contacts. Uh, What's the handle? So the handle for most of our content is, uh, for example, our Twitter handle is at WhatsApp, A-A-P, podcast. So um, that's that's generally our handle. Uh, for Discord, uh, the, the invite is going to be linked on wherever you're listening to. So feel free to just drop in there. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else you'd like to mention? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to um, ask folks to um, like uh, this podcast and um, leave a comment um, and and rate it if you um, can take a second to do so. That's uh, very important for us to get exposure and to connect with others. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's very very good points and suggestions. So um, the next episode uh, for the week of January 4th, it's the new year, uh, so uh, 2021, uh, is titled What's Up as an Activist? And so essentially we talked about ourselves quite a bit um, and how we are quote-unquote activated uh, or activists. And so um, next week, we'd like to invite Claire Lau to talk about um, how she is an activist and how... Who is Claire Lau? Sorry. So Claire Lau is a co-founder of um, SF Bernicrats. It's a San Francisco progressive organization endorsed by Our Revolution. And um, she's going to talk about uh, just becoming an activist. So uh, Our Revolution um, is the Bernie Sanders uh, 2016, well, post-Bernie Sanders 2016 uh, group that um, formed to endorse local uh, progressive organizations throughout the United States to push forward um, a lot of the uh, issues like Medicare for All, um, tuition-free colleges, um, and all these other things. So, um, like, it helped to just kind of validate the, the progressive agenda um, for these organizations. And they kind of endorse um, nationwide um, to, to really get um, more exposure to candidates and people that cool. might be running. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to talking to Claire. Awesome. <laughs> but um, just some food for thought, uh, thinking about you know what we talked about today. Um, how have you been activated? Or if you haven't been activated, um, what might you like um, choose to be your first topic of um, kind of like uh, tackling? Uh, Jiang, any other last messages you'd like to share? You know, uh, I would just say, um, join an organization. <laughs> that's what I have to say. <laughs> uh, that's how we got connected. Uh, we didn't share that story. So <laughs> that will be another day. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so thanks again for tuning in. Um, remember that we drop our episodes every Monday at 1 p.m. PST. Also, I would like to give a final shout out to Jackie Ho, who helped to edit the content as well as uh, make sure the production for these episodes goes smoothly. And looking forward to seeing everyone again next week. 
See you then.